You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Good morning, church. My name is Kirsten, and I'll be reading the scripture for you today. So you're sitting down, but I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Um, I have something. Okay, great. Today's reading is from Matthew 10, 1 through 15. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you, or listen to your words, Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. The word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's uh, bow our hearts in a short word of prayer. God, we ask that you would... Meet us here in this place and speak to us and transform us. And may you um, shape us into more of Christ's image. Do this by your Spirit's work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Did you know that there are over um, 190 ambassadors who serve um, as diplomatic representatives to foreign countries and international organizations like the UN. And the job of a US ambassador is to represent American interests abroad. Specifically, they represent the US government and their policies. They promote US interests economically and politically. And they work to advance US values such as democracy and human rights. Additionally, 
Ambassadors are tasked to build relationships with foreign leaders while monitoring political and economic developments in their host countries. Now, every U.S. ambassador is nominated by the President of the United States, and they serve at the pleasure of the President, which means that they can be dismissed at any time. And U.S. ambassadors, they play a crucial role in representing American interests everywhere around the world. Now, there are some similarities in our text today where King Jesus commissions and sends his first team of ambassadors on their first assignment to represent the interests and values of, the, of his upside-down kingdom. The mission was clear, which was to proclaim and demonstrate the coming of the upside-down kingdom. They were to share the message of the kingdom and show the power of the kingdom, proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven was near. Now, while this particular mission had some very specific parameters given only to the, his disciples, we today can also learn from this passage what it means to be commissioned by Jesus and sent on mission as his ambassadors. As we look more closely at our passage, we will explore first some brief background to today's scene in earlier chapters of Matthew to show, number one, that Jesus is king and he is Messiah, and how Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. And in today's passage, we will see King Jesus commissioning kingdom ambassadors, and then lastly, King Jesus defining what that mission is. So as we look at King Jesus, who is, who is the Messiah and King, we want to provide some background information about our reading today. Now Matthew, who is the author of this gospel, has been intentionally establishing the legitimacy of Jesus as the King and Messiah and his upside-down kingdom, coming to the earth through Jesus' authoritative teaching and his tangible and visible demonstrations of his kingdom in healing diseases and exercising authority over evil spirits. In other words, Jesus came as the king and Messiah as evidenced by his authoritative teaching coupled with signs and wonders expected only of the Messiah that was to come according to the Old Testament prophecies. How else do we know that Jesus was the long-awaited king and Messiah? How could we tell that Jesus was, in fact, bringing his kingdom? Well, Jesus, he inaugurates his arrival as king and, and his reign by declaring, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus taught with divine authority, and he made the audacious claim in Matthew chapter 5 that, that he came to fulfill and complete the law of God in the scriptures. But there's more. Jesus demonstrated the coming of his upside-down kingdom by his authority over unclean spirits, casting out of demons, and healing every kind of disease in Matthew chapter 8. He even forgave sins in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus had to be the long-awaited Messiah King, and he proved it by his acts of miracles, just as it was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. Now, this 
powerful king was exercising his authority and power over spiritual forces and restoring broken bodies. And we have seen in our study today more of that as he sends out his emissaries. In today's passage, we see Jesus' amazing power and authority exercised and the message of the kingdom now delegated to his 12 disciples for the first time. And Jesus commissioned them to demonstrate the king's power and the presence of the kingdom of heaven coming near. But before King Jesus sent out his ambassadors on their mission, Jesus first called and commissioned them as his disciples first and then as ambassadors. So let's take a look at how Jesus initially chose his 12 King Jesus, he handpicked 12 disciples to represent him and his kingdom after he spent much time praying to his father. In fact, Jesus prayed all night before choosing his 12 disciples. Jesus, he called each of his disciples. He invested his time and energy into their development as his kingdom representatives. Jesus trained them. He he taught them. He showed them what kingdom life looked like in doing life-on-life discipleship with them. All 12 would eventually be given extraordinary responsibilities in God's kingdom. Uh, And the bar that was set for them would seem lofty, if not impossible for them to achieve, apart from Jesus' discipleship and spiritual development in them. What is so encouraging about the 12 disciples is how ordinary these men were. They are so relatable to us as just common people, characterized by failures of faith, poor judgment, misunderstanding Jesus' teachings. They had fights over positions of power. And on one occasion, two brothers, James and John, asked Jesus if they should call fire down from heaven to destroy an entire village. Some anger problems there. (laughs) Now, you are probably wondering, just like me, why didn't Jesus select leaders and influencers of his day, perhaps powerful and connected politicians or influential religious leaders who already had an audience? Why not include maybe a famous singer or an entertainer to be Jesus' opener who could fill a stadium? seems obvious to us that enlisting people who were already leaders and influential in their field would prove more strategic and successful in getting the word out about Jesus and his kingdom. But Jesus does not operate with the values of this world, but rather uses the upside-down, almost backward list of qualifications when he lists his representatives. He chose his followers according to his kingdom values, not according to the values of the world. Namely, he doesn't call the qualified. He calls us first, then he qualifies us by discipling and equipping us with his spirit. You know, to be a U.S. ambassador, you have to fulfill certain qualifications, like being a U.S. citizen. You have to have some experience in a specific field like diplomacy or international relations. Of course, they, you have to pass a comprehensive background check. Now, on top of all of that, you have to be nominated by the President of the United States and confirmed by the U.S. Senate before you officially become an ambassador. 
That is a high bar to clear before you become an ambassador. By contrast, here is some of the background of the people Jesus handpicked as his ambassadors. Essentially, there's nothing impressive or notable about them except that they are just ordinary. At least four of them were fishermen, a very common job for this region. Two of them were from opposite political extremes. One, a former zealot who was a Jewish nationalist. The other, a tax collector who worked to collect Roman taxes and even extorted their own people. Another one of Jesus' disciples was, was Thomas. He was a pessimist who would later doubt Jesus' res- resurrection until he touched Jesus' hands and side. And the last person that gets always listed is Judas Iscariot, who would later betray Jesus for some silver coins. Oh, I forgot to mention the fact that Judas was also a thief who stole from the disciples' limited treasury. These 12 disciples were common and ordinary men in every sense of the word, but given an extraordinary commission as emissaries of King Jesus. Jesus doesn't call you, doesn't call me because we have something great to offer him. He calls you and me and he brings us into his kingdom because he loves us. Jesus knows that we are powerless to free ourselves from worshiping false things in life which only enslave us and disappoint us. We come before King Jesus as we are and we are called not because of who we are but because of who God is and because of his gracious invitation to be adopted as his own child and to serve him with our entire lives. Maybe you are here for the first time or newer to Christianity and realize that you are not a disciple of Jesus. Today, you are invited to know this God who is calling you. If you see Jesus for who he is, a beautiful Holy, just God who somehow loves us enough to die for us. And if we acknowledge our sin and receive Jesus and believe in his name, God gives us the right to become his children. Forgiveness of sin is offered today. Jesus extends his mercy and his grace. You see, the message of the kingdom starts with the word repent. It means to turn away from your sin and idolatry of living for yourself and by faith receive Jesus' offer for a new life through his death by dying to our sin and through his resurrection by living a new life in Christ. And that is Jesus' invitation to everyone here today. Now, why did Jesus choose just 12 disciples? Why not seven or 100 or a 1,000 to uniquely share his ministry with and also experience his most intimate moments? Well, part of the answer to this is what Matthew does brilliantly in connecting God's promises to the original 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament to be God's light to the nations for the salvation of all people. Unfortunately, history witnessed that Israel repeatedly failed to be an effective ambassador for God to all the nations. 
And sadly, they joined in in the worship of idols of the pagan nations around them in the rejection of God. Jesus choosing 12 disciples demonstrated God's redemptive plan through Israel was now coming to fruition in the dawning of a new day with the breaking in of the kingdom of heaven with Jesus' arrival. There was clearly an anticipation of God's mission to all the nations after Jesus' death and resurrection. And we will see more about that as we continue through the book of Matthew. Suffice it to say that God's redemptive plan for the world comes through Israel. God's people, represented by the 12 disciples, who are a conduit of God's salvation for all people through King Jesus' death, and resurrection. And the disciples of Jesus would play a key role in sharing and showing the kingdom in his redemptive plan. And this leads us to our third point where today's passage begins, where King Jesus commissions his kingdom ambassadors. Now notice how Jesus in verse 1 called his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. You see, Jesus' authority and power of the kingdom that the disciples witnessed in earlier parts of Matthew were now given to his disciples. Like what an incredible calling and delegation of power. The message of the kingdom these disciples were commissioned to carry was the same message that Jesus taught them on numerous occasions. In in the previous chapter, in Matthew chapter 9, we read that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. What Jesus commissioned and ordained his disciples to do was exactly what Jesus had already been doing in front of his disciples for some time now. As a king and also a great teacher, Jesus doesn't ask his followers to do something that he hasn't done or modeled or or taught them or, or showed them. He discipled them first. Then Jesus commissioned his 12 ambass- this 12 ambassador team with his authority and enabled them to proclaim and demonstrate the power of his kingdom. Now, just like the 12 disciples were called and commissioned by Jesus, every disciple of Jesus today is called by King Jesus and enlisted as kingdom ambassadors to share and communicate the message of Jesus' upside-down kingdom and represent the values, agenda, and interests of King Jesus and to stand in the gap between those who don't know Jesus and Jesus himself. We can all probably agree that we need to grow in this area of being ambassadors for King Jesus. And to be honest, it can seem like a heavy burden to carry if your life and your words and your actions and your thoughts are all to be consistently representing Jesus' kingdom values of forgiveness and mercy and holiness and kindness aligned with the message of the good news proclaimed. You are not alone in feeling 
the weight of this high calling of representing King Jesus. But I want you, my brothers and sisters, to be encouraged because God in Christ has called you as your primary calling to belong to Christ, which is our most important calling. And we need to start there before we do any great work for God. We need to grow in our relationship with God, in knowing who we are in Christ, believing and obeying His Word and being nurtured by His Spirit through His Word so that we can become more like Him and live out of the strength that He gives to us. And when we have the Spirit of God living in us, then we can share more effectively who Christ is and show his kingdom powerfully. You know, last week, Bill, he talked about Jesus' invitation to us to pray for workers to be sent out to the harvest. Our calling to be ambassadors and workers for God is something only God can fulfill in us. See, our job is to answer the call and say, yes, Lord, because We need his grace not only to be saved and called, but we also need his grace to to fulfill his calling in our lives. And we need to be empowered by his spirit to fulfill God's call to be his ambassadors. Yes, God is the one who initiated his plan to bring his people to Christ and invites us to participate in God's redemptive work in this world. But while the 12 disciples in our text today have yet to experience the coming of the Holy Spirit, which comes later, we today have access to the resurrection power of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit powerfully working in us and through us. We also have the complete special revelation of God in his word. So God calls you to pursue holiness And godliness being transformed more and more into Jesus' image and character. But God also sends you to participate in his mission to proclaim and show the kingdom. And this is exactly what Jesus does in sending out his 12 disciples in their first mission as his ambassadors, our last point. We all know that with great power comes great responsibility. You guys know where that's from, hopefully. These 12 ambassadors of Jesus were given supernatural power and kingdom authority to now be sent on a mission as official diplomats of the kingdom. King Jesus instructed them and laid out the scope of their mission. First, in this instance... They were instructed only to go to the Jews, not to the Gentiles, not to the Samaritans. And this restriction would not have surprised the Jewish disciples at all because Jews of the time despised Samaritans and saw all Gentiles as ceremonially unclean. Of course, the disciples would only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the reason why Jesus restricted This mission to only focus on the Jews was not because Jesus was ethnocentric and looked down on the Gentiles. This is not the reason at all. The main reason Jesus dispatched his ambassadors to only Jews was to show once again 
God's relentless pursuit of his own people, Israel, which he initiated in the Old Testament in calling and forming the nation of Israel as his own. This was yet again God's attempt to call his people back to obedience and faithfulness to this promise-keeping God. Even though the nation of Israel repeatedly failed to fulfill their mission as recorded in the Old Testament, Jesus is sending his ambassadors to the Jews first, showing the nature of God's faithfulness to his people. But he was also doing something new in sending his kingdom ambassadors. Jesus was laying the groundwork for a new community of God's people, the church, which would include both Jews and Gentiles, which was God's original plan of salvation extended to all nations when he promised Abraham in the Old Testament that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But God's redemptive plan started with Israel. In due time, the invitation to receive God's salvation would be open to all nations after the events of Jesus' death and resurrection, but that time had not yet come. Secondly, these ambassadors were, giving, were given a specific message to proclaim on their mission. Jesus instructed them to proclaim, as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's verse 7. In, in another translation, it says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, at the center of this message was that King Jesus has arrived, and his rule and reign will now begin to extend from this local region in Galilee to the far reaches of the world and beyond to restore all things. The specific message these 12 ambassadors were to proclaim was in a unique period of God's salvation history. At this point in the gospel story, Jesus had not yet suffered the cross. He has not yet conquered death. And this is why the message was that the kingdom has come near and not fully come. In this upside-down kingdom which Jesus was bringing, the king would later lay down his life for his subjects and serve the people he was calling by suffering the judgment for our sins and in exchange crediting to us the record of his perfect and righteous life. The message of the kingdom coming near was also being delivered by ordinary people. And so it was also carried the message that this kingdom was not a kingdom of of merit, It wasn't where it was the most diligent or the most gifted or the most righteous person who gets the reward. In this kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. In this kingdom, God who is holy and perfect levels all of us because we all fall short. So those who belong to the kingdom will understand that it is only by God's grace we belong to God. See, in this kingdom... If you want to be great, if you want to be first, you have to be a servant of all. In this kingdom, you don't just cover up your flaws and and weaknesses, but you bring them before a powerful king who accepts us as we are but transforms us. 
This kingdom is not about fixing yourself before you come. It's about coming before King Jesus who heals the broken parts of us. The kingdom has come to us. And King Jesus is now seated gloriously on his throne, calling each of his disciples to know him and to share the good news of this kingdom. Jesus has given you this message to to proclaim as well. It is the good news of the kingdom. And we are on the other side of Jesus' sacrificial death for us and his victorious resurrection, defeating sin, Satan, and death. And we have a fuller and more comprehensive gospel to proclaim to the people near and far from us than the disciples in our passage today. This gospel message is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and now also to all. King Jesus came to save us from the bondage of sin, releasing us from the penalty of death. And for everyone who believes in Jesus is declared righteous on the basis of Jesus' perfect life laid down for us on the cross. Ambassadors of Jesus have been entrusted and commanded to share this good news with all people, including our family and friends and neighbors and people that we meet and cross-culturally even to other nations. And in doing so, we get to participate in the mission of God to save and bring all people to himself. Accepting God's call to be his ambassadors means going on a true life adventure with God where we get to actively participate in what God is doing here on earth. You know, many years ago, almost 30 years ago, I had a very memorable experience in college when I went on a mission trip to China. My team leader was a Singaporean lady who had such a heart to encourage the Chinese underground Christian church and also had a heart to uh, evangelize. We were on a long train ride headed to Beijing, And there was an older woman uh, that was sitting across from us. My team leader encouraged me to share the gospel with her. And she offered to be my translator. So I began to share. I talked about sin. I shared about John 3.16. I, I shared about Jesus coming to earth, dying on the cross for our sins. That if we would believe in him, that he would forgive us of our sins and would give us new life. And after I shared the gospel, we we invited her to pray, and she did. She happily received our message, and we rejoiced together. Now, I suspect my translator filled in the gaps where I may have forgotten to include some parts of the gospel. And the parts in which the translator maybe forgot, the Holy Spirit filled. But this was a particularly memorable experience because She was so open and responsive, and she had such joy after praying this prayer with us. Not everyone will will be receptive to the gospel message, but every disciple's mission includes sharing the good news about Jesus. Sometimes we'll get in the way. We'll fumble our words. I'm sure I did. Yet God will still save in spite of us. And sometimes we may act in a way that's inconsistent with the character of Jesus and hinder the message. But we rely on God's grace to cover our shortcomings because we are all imperfect. 
And ultimately, the role of the ambassadors of the kingdom is to share the message and preach the good news, not worried about whether someone will receive the message or not. Yes, we need to pray for the hearts of the people so that they would receive the gospel message, but also acknowledge that we don't have control over the outcome because salvation belongs to the Lord, and it is Jesus alone who saves. Amen? Now, in anticipation of people rejecting the message of the kingdom, Jesus prepared his disciples by instructing them, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house if people refuse to accept the message. Now, this act of shaking off the dust from your feet was a Jewish custom who, upon returning from traveling, would shake from their feet, the dust that they had acquired from going through Gentile lands, which were unclean. And this act that Jesus was instructing the disciples to do was treating these inhospitable and unwelcoming Jews as they would a Gentile. Jesus makes it very clear that the rejection of the gospel of the kingdom has serious consequences And the warning is made explicit. The judgment a person will receive if they reject the gospel of the kingdom will be worse than that of Sodom and Gomorrah. You don't have to be the most vile sinner, like being a mass murderer, to heap this serious judgment on yourself. The rejection of the gospel is a rejection of King Jesus and all that he has to offer to us today, the forgiveness of sin, new life, eternal life, a fulfilled life. The rejection of the gospel is the rejection of King Jesus' love for us and his rule over our lives, which means those who reject Jesus will not get to experience him and to know him and to love him. And the warning is clear. Don't reject the gospel of Jesus because there will be a day of judgment which will mean a complete separation from God forever. Because after that day of judgment, those separated from God will not experience any amount of God's goodness forever. There will be total separation from God who is himself the essence of all goodness. That is why this total destruction and condemnation Jesus speaks about will be worse than the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. The good news of the kingdom offers us a way out of this judgment and into God's family favor and acceptance. You see, Jesus suffered the greatest judgment anyone ever experienced on the cross. It was a judgment for our sins. But the good news is that when we receive Jesus and his sacrifice for us, there is no more judgment. There is no more condemnation, but now only forgiveness and new life and reconciliation with God and with others. The mission of Jesus, that the mission Jesus sent his ambassadors on was not just a speaking tour, but also a demonstration of the power and authority of the kingdom coming. See, they were instructed to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. They were tasked 
to powerfully show the coming of the kingdom through these miraculous demonstrations in the restoration of broken bodies and even reversing death, at least temporarily. But why these miracles and signs? They were a validation of the power and authority of King Jesus coming and his kingdom reign breaking into earth. The demonstration of kingdom power to heal and restore was a preview of the comprehensive healing and restoration of every wrong made right and every broken relationships mended and all of creation restored one day. Just as the disciples freely and graciously received the kingdom of heaven, they were to freely and liberally share the reality of the upside-down kingdom. In verse 8, it says, You received without pay, give without pay. I wonder uh, if any of the disciples thought about monetizing their newfound supernatural powers. Maybe Judas, he thought about charging different sums of money based on how great the miracle was. Five denarius for healing a coal, maybe ten for leprosy. Twenty-five for casting out demons, well, each demon, and maybe a talent of gold for raising the dead. You see, Jesus was clear about not receiving a profit in exchange for what they were empowered to do. Jesus, in fact, gives more explicit instructions about not taking any provision for the mission. Look at verse 9 and 10. Jesus says, don't take money, don't take a duffel bag or food or extra clothes, just go with what you have on. Jesus was basically asking his ambassadors to trust in the king to provide the necessary supplies, even food. Jesus was reminding them in this exercise of trust that they were workmen for Jesus and his kingdom and that they could rely on their king to supply all that was necessary for their mission. King Jesus didn't just call his ambassadors to preach a message and give spiritual power over sickness, but he wanted his ambassadors to also exercise their faith in a generous king to supply all that they needed, including basic necessities like food. Jesus doesn't send us on his mission empty-handed, but he provides to us what we need when we need it, through the means Jesus chooses. See, we all want more control over our future. And planning for what, what's ahead seems way easier when we have more money and more stuff because we feel more secure. But Jesus wants his ambassadors to trust in him to supply all their needs for the mission Jesus sends them on. Jesus taught his disciples previously part of this prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's prayer. It is a confession to God that he provides to us what we need each day. And we need to remind ourselves that God is the source of all that we need. And in moments when we don't have what we need, God may be inviting us to trust in him more and to experience God's provision powerfully. As ambassadors of King Jesus, each of us has been entrusted with 
the gospel, to be shared in a way not to please people ultimately, but to please God and King Jesus who sends us out as his representatives demonstrated in Jesus' love, his power to save us and the reconciliation with God and with others. How will we participate in this mission? What is our answer to God's invitation? And, and what are our giftings and our callings? What are our opportunities? These are lots of good questions for us to pray about and think about. What we know for certain is this. God has called you and saved you and is now sending you to alleviate pain and suffering in the world as ministers of his reconciliation. We are to do good works in sharing our resources with those in need by being generous with our time and talents and treasures. Kingdom ambassadors are called to represent Jesus' kingdom of peace by being instruments of the Redeemer. You are sent by King Jesus and given His authority and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be His representatives. All the while, keeping our eyes fixed on our great Redeemer who will complete his mission through our lives. And in the midst of brokenness all around us, let us pray together while on mission together for Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Would you consider those who are um, in community group this week to discuss these um, these two questions and then this one exercise, spiritual discipline. Who can you share the message of the gospel of the kingdom with? And actually go and do that in the coming weeks. Who can you show the values of the kingdom of heaven to? And then third, practice the Bible study method of listen, learn, and live. And I think Pastor Joel is going to send out something this week about instructions with that. Let us, let us pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who comes to us, saves us, doesn't leave us in comfortable places, but sends us to represent you, to highlight and demonstrate and preview the goodness of your kingdom, the power of your kingdom, the authority of your kingdom, that restores, that heals. God, some of us here need some of that restoring. And we pray for that, for your kingdom to come, to restore and to heal broken parts of us. For some of us, we just need to be challenged, God, to be bold in sharing your gospel, showing your gospel as well. So empower us by your spirit to be obedient to your word because we know that you are with us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.